like that nice smooth sound right there. Awesome. One more hand for the band, that power trio, the power trio this morning. All right. Well, my name is Mike Conway, as I stated just a moment ago, and I am the pastor here, and we are going to begin our series, Who is My Neighbor and How to Love Your Neighbor. We're going to talk about who and how. We want to talk about this idea of neighboring. We want to talk about the, the, over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about some pretty strong issues. I'm not going to lie to you. There's going to be some strong issues. We're going to talk about how, how we're going to empower the poor, which is today. Then we're going to talk about what it means to be a servant, what it really truly means to serve. Then we're going to talk about how to love the lonely, and the lonely can be in a house full of people, but you can be just as lonely in a church full of people. So we're going to talk about how to love the lonely. And then finally, we're going to talk about racism reconciled. I know that it's a hot topic, but we need to make sure that we know what the Bible says on this. And so we're going to spend some time together talking about the beauty and the love of recognizing one another and, uh, and, and continuing to grow in our faith. And honestly, look at our prejudices. It's not always just a skin color. But a lot of times prejudices are preconceived notions and we need to look at those things so that we can better address them and better serve the people that God has called us to reach. So, um, so we're going to be spending that time. But today, as we talk about empowering the poor, um, sometimes people consider poor in certain ways. They, 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 they think that poor is one thing, but you can be poor in spirit, you can be poor in relationships. You can have all the money in the world and be lonely and be poor in your personal fellowship and friendship. You could, be, you could have everything you need materially and not have anybody to call. So there's a, there's a different level, but then there's also poor. But there's different definitions of poor. Our idea of poor in this country and the idea of poor in a third world country is totally, totally different absolutely different and so so today what I want us to do is I want us to look at this and I believe I believe that we truly do want to make a difference for those people who are in need that's why so many of us have signed up to serve our homeless ministry we've been serving in our homeless ministry for nine years every Saturday every single Saturday uh, third Saturday of the month in June so think about that. Think about all of those thousands of meals that have been served by volunteers from our fellowship that cook, purchase, cook, and prepare this beautiful meal for these folks that are in need. We always call them our homeless brothers and sisters because you know what they are? Our homeless brothers and sisters. And so we find a way to come alongside it. We received wonderful letters. One single mom who had three kids wrote me a letter and said, I just want you to know that if it wasn't for you, my kids wouldn't have eaten while I was in school and working trying to better myself. But because of you guys, and, and you guys helped make a difference, and we, were, and we received food because you decided to. But she said, more importantly, your kindness the way that your volunteers smiled at my children, the way that they were so happy to get to serve my children. It blessed her. It gave her a hand up. 
amazing when you think about that. And so then we come to CareFest, which by the way, CareFest is coming in September, which we call Servetember, because now we have a revival and we have CareFest in the same time. Two different t-shirts, by the way. Um, and uh, while I'm doing that, let me go ahead and just hook Will up right now, because he's been giving me a hard time about this t-shirt right here. That Now everybody got a witness that you got your t-shirt. <laughs> because <laughs> he told me he, he said I tried to buy one pastor they said no they said pastor's hard on that you ain't unless you earn it <laughs> and I and then he's like but I served at the at the Halloween roast I didn't get no t-shirt <laughs> but and I know he, he, he I know he's humble and, and he's probably gonna kill me later but I just thought it was it's great though but the truth is you can't buy a shirt at Koa if you see somebody wearing a shirt, it's because they earned it. It's because we served. We don't sell shirts. We serve to get shirts. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, so there's going to be two different t-shirts. You could be hooking up two different t-shirts. Be hooking up that Revival t-shirt. I'm not telling you the color. And the CareFest t-shirt, I ain't telling you the color. The only way, and now the only one who will get that info is Paul because he's got to have matching shoes. And Paul's always sliding up on me. You got the color of that shirt yet? That's why y'all wonder why he matches. Look at every picture on Facebook. His shirt and shoes match. He's got an inside line, you know? I think that was written in the bylaws or something. Paul must know. But the truth of the matter is, guys, is that we have got to be the church. And by being the church, going out into our community, making a difference, showing the love of Jesus. I don't want to offer handouts to anyone. I want to offer hand ups. And that's what we do. We empower the poor to take steps out of poverty and into the life that God designed. But I got to tell you, the first poverty that we have is spiritual. If you are spiritually bankrupt and spiritually broke, then you're not, I'm telling you, it's, it, there is so much more to, to, to the poor. I'm telling you, without spiritual renewal, there will be no social reform. Until men and women's hearts are right with God, we are not going to love our neighbor as ourselves. Until we love the way God loves, until our spiritual poverty has been addressed, we will not, we won't because we're greedy, we're selfish, we're all those things. And so, so we want to be able to do that. And so today's message is empowering the poor. And the first empowerment I want to give to you is for you to come in the right relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you'll be empowered to live the life that God has called for you. He has a future for you. It's not too late. And then, and then there are some who, would, who, who are in this room right now who would say you're struggling. And I've been there. I've been there, and there are times that we still do. But, but, but I, went to, I went to Twitter, and I wanted to know uh, what people would say or what they would think if you put, I'm so broke. That was, that was already dangerous. You know what I'm saying? You want to know what people were saying. Some people said, I'm so broke, my baloney does not have a first name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R, right? No, it don't. My baloney's broke, <laughs> I went to another one, and a lady said, I'm so broke, I don't have a sugar daddy. I can't even get a Splenda daddy. <laughs> one, one, lady said, one lady said she's so poor, she goes to the, she goes to the magazines and rubs that, that cologne, that perfume on her. And they said, what are you wearing? She says, page number five. 
you know. <laughs> but the reality is, is that we all have an idea. Um, and, and, and we all have an idea of what it means to, to be without, right? And some of us know what it means to be in a deep need now. But there are developing countries as well that our, our poor would be rich to them. So many. So many when you think about it. The truth of the matter is poverty is not just in third world countries, though. It's right here in St. Pete. There are kids who go to, go to bed hungry in St. Pete, and that don't set well with me. It don't set well. I don't know if it sets well with you, but it don't set well with me. No, a little baby's going to sleep hungry, and I don't care if it's because their parents are doing whatever they're doing. I'm still going to feed them. I don't care if they say, oh, well, they got this or that. Their parents are spending. I don't care. They need food. We're going to feed them. That's just the way it is, you know. And so, so, so when we look at this, there are some of us who, who, who mistake what poverty is. There are people who are living in one-room shacks built, by, built with cardboard and, 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 and things that we wouldn't even call a doghouse. But they're living in those places. In other, some, of, some people, a family of six, live in some, some of our closets, the size of our closets. Some people don't have access to clean water. Did you know the majority of the diseases in India is, be, is simply because there's no clean water? That's why these kids have all these tumors and all this sickness. And there's no excuse for it. You and I, go turn on your spigot. You got clean water, don't you? One of the funniest things that ever happened to, to my wife, Lorena, and my, my little niece, she's now 11, she was four, and, uh, and they were at her mama's house, and, uh, and, uh, and, and she had just finished this little mini can of Sprite, right? And she's like, I'm still thirsty, Riri. Uh, and, uh, and so Riri went over to the tap and put, started to put water in the can. She said, oh no, Riri, my mama won't let me drink tap water. <laughs> my, my wife said, uh, yes, you do. <laughs> She handed her that tap water and she started drinking. She said, oh, it tastes like Sprite. <laughs> Man, I used to drink out of the rubber hose, you know. You know what I'm saying? My mom, you ain't coming in this house, boy. You drink. I had the hose, you know, turn it into a water fountain, you know. She's talking about, oh, I, ooh, I don't drink tap water. Yes, you do. Our water's so clean that we all bougie now, aren't we? Acting like we didn't drink out the hose. Where's my bottle of water? Oh, look. Oh, I got a bottle of water. Please, man. Just a lap out of a hose with no problem. Tell your coach you won't drink out of a hose and see what happens. Right? But there are some people who have to travel for miles just to get to water, and then the water they drink in is the water they bathe in. See, these are struggles that sometimes we don't face. And, and, and so many times, you and I, we, we, we are confused. We have a refrigerator that keeps food. We have cabinets where food are. These people only dream of a bag of rice. You know? Whether it's poverty like that or poverty from someone who's unemployed. Right here, down the street from us. All poverty's real. It doesn't make our poverty less real. We just have to know how to empower people, how to give them the tools that they need. And so as we talk about this, uh, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 25. And, and he, says, he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison or I was sick and you visited me. And then they said, when, when did we do that? He said, well, what you did to the least of these, you did for me. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I used to be the least of these. There was a time in my life when we didn't have all those things. And we found a way to survive. We found a way. Somebody knocked on my door with groceries one day because the Lord told them to knock on my door. Surviving on $12 a week in groceries. The Lord, He knows how to bring us out. And sometimes He uses agents to do that. You and I are those agents. The Holy Spirit will speak and say, this is what we need to do. This is what we are obligated to do. This is what our responsibility is to do. And Jesus, here's the, here's, but here's the unusual thing. The unusual thing is two parties Jesus was talking to, and both of them did not recognize the circumstance. Because at one of them, he said, you didn't give me anything to drink. You didn't give me anything to eat. You didn't visit me when I was sick or in prison. And, and they replied, when, when was that? When was that? He said, what you didn't do for the least of these, you didn't do for me. You see, because it's unspoken, it's self-evident. When Jesus comes into your life, you have to do something about the needs of others. You can't walk by without seeing and feeling compassion. You can't. And it comes from recognizing you're blessed to be a That's the answer. So what I love is that these folks were just doing what Jesus does. Somebody needs a sandwich, you give them a sandwich. The difference is we don't give them just bread, we give them living bread and real bread. We don't just give them clean water, we give them living water. And that's what we're going to be going into the streets to do, guys. If you imagine with me for a, for a moment what it means to empower somebody. Proverbs 19, 17 says this, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to who? And he will do what? Reward them for what they've done. That doesn't mean that you're going to go out today, give $10 to the homeless, and God's going to pour $100 in your lap. Your reward is in heaven. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to be blessed on this earth. You're definitely, listen, anybody who tells you that God won't bless you if you don't give doesn't understand what blessing is. You're already blessed. You're breathing his air. You're enjoying his sunshine. And the sun falls on my lawn just like it does on the heathen's lawn. God is a blesser. He blesses all people. So people think, oh, I want to give. Well, then I teach you to give to get. So how's that giving? If, if I'm giving you this to get something, I don't give because I have to. I, get, I mean, get to, I give because I, I get to. I don't have to give. I get to give. And when I'm made in the image of my God, I'm made in the image of my Father, I want to do nothing but give. My time, my talent, my treasure. I ain't worried about asking you to serve in the hot sun. Please. I'm inviting you to an adventure. You don't have to, you get to. I don't know if you notice there's some minimum numbers here. All I need is this number, but this is how many could. All I need is this number, but this is how many could. Why would I write those two numbers? I'm praying for the other number, but we're going no matter what. If I'm the tear down, set down, preaching, crew, then I'm that. 
But shame on you. Shame on you. When Matthew 25 happens, I'm going to be like, told you. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be like, when did you not, uh, when did we not give order? He's going to be on September uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I'm going to be like, tell him, Jesus. I gave him a shot and then they all wanted to stay home in the air conditioning. And nobody want to come out in the heat. They're like, go back to North Carolina, Pastor Mike. Go back to Georgia. Get lost in Tennessee. But you're literally serving God when you serve one need. If you just give just a cup of cold water, man. A smile doesn't cost anything. A hug, a handshake, an invite costs nothing. But it costs you everything because it means you've got to drop your pride. In order to get it right, we got to build a foundation about what poverty is and what poverty isn't. And you know, there's a time when you can help and it actually hurts. My father, my father suffered from that. My dad begged on a street corner for beer money. And people who were nice would give him beer money, but you put him in the grave. Imagine my little sister's bus pulling up. And on the street corner is her daddy, her hero, begging for beer money as he dies of cirrhosis and cancer. Not because I didn't have money in my pocket and I was a heathen and knew not to give it to him. Sometimes helping does hurt. He'd collect quarters until he had just enough, 50 cents for a can of beer. Then he'd go over there and get him his can of beer, drink that one, and go right back to the corner. I know what it's like to be the recipient of someone who hurts instead of helps. It costs me my father. There's a time when no is empowerment. It means get up off that corner. I wish I was making a story up for you, but that's my life. That's what's really happened. And it ain't easy. But there's time when you got to know when the Holy Spirit says no, no. And you empower them with something else, something other than. Which you address their spiritual poverty. You address their brokenness and say, silver and gold have I not, but what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus. There's a time and a place. But the truth is, most of us Americans, we define poverty as a lack of something material. My dad was poor because he didn't have enough beer. Right? No. A lack of something material is what people say. And the truth of the matter is, is, is some of us don't have enough to make it to survive. Some, some people in the world don't have inqu- inadequate, they have inadequate housing right now. And some people don't have clean water and some people don't have health care. But some of us, if we're being honest, I'm so poor I can't afford the iPhone, iPhone 10, right? Come on, church. We're better than that. Right? We lack something. So how do we define poverty? 
The, the truly poor define poverty as a mindset. They asked. They did some research. They, they wasn't lacking something material. They didn't say, I couldn't afford the latest jeans. They didn't say, they didn't say I, 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 I couldn't afford this or that. They said, I feel shame. I feel, I feel ashamed that I can't provide for my family. They say, I, I felt worthless that I couldn't do what I needed to do. And they use the word fear over and over and over and over again. They were afraid that their children weren't going to eat. They were afraid where they were going to live, where they were going to stay. It was a mindset that had to be turned around. It was a mindset. Some people say, I ain't going to work at that place or this place. You better. When, when we planted this church, I told my wife, I said, if it doesn't roll, I'll work two jobs. I don't care if it's flipping burgers, stacking shelves, or whatever. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you're taken care of. I'm not too, I'm not too proud to work wherever I need to work. If it's honest living and I'm, putting, I'm, I'm, and I'm putting food on the table and a roof over my family's head, I'm going to have the right mindset because that ain't forever. I'm going to end up working in the management. Then I'm going to own that joint. But you got to have a mindset of that. It's a mindset. Why? Because, because you know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I live that too. At Walmart Distribution Center, a bunch of dock workers, they want to promote me to supervisor. They want to promote me to manager. I said, no, no, no. You don't need to do that. You need to give that to somebody else because I'm getting ready to get, I'm, I'm in the ministry. Once I finish school, I'm moving on. But there are other brothers who need that opportunity. So just leave me in the trailer and I'll work here. But, but my mindset is I ain't in this trailer forever. I ain't in this trailer forever. But they had already saw that by my work ethic. They came to me and said, oh, we, we'll give you a raise if you do this or that. I said, I don't do this for the money. I work as if it's unto God. My manager looked at me like I was nuts. I said, I like money, don't get me wrong. But I don't work, I said, I don't work for money, I work for God. So I do my best because he's the one that I'm working for. And he gave me a job when I couldn't take care of my wife because I was on unemployment. I got this job and I'm grateful for this job. It's a different, it's a, see that right there? Mindset. 1996, I walked right out of those trailers and right into this ministry. And God's been taking care of us ever since. But you know what? Before I left, I was employee of the month out of 700 people at Walmart Distribution Center. Do you know why? Because of Jesus. Because of mindset. The man ain't trying to keep me down. God gave me a job. Don't get me started. It's a mentality, church. We've got to believe. We've gotten comfortable in our air-conditioned cushioned seats. I know some of y'all sat on the metal. I get it. But that metal was on purpose. We need to change the way people think. We need to tell them who they are in Christ. How many people say, I'm nothing but an addict, I'm nothing but a loser, I'm nothing but a... We've got to change that to say, did you read this? This just in, you're the apple of God's eye. This just in, you're the, you're the head and not the tail. This just in, you're blessed and highly favored. This just in, God loves you. Then all of a sudden people say, he loves me. And you know what? You start living up to a reputation instead of down to a reputation. And I know how that is too.
This is between us and God. We have to empower our families by providing for them. My wife and I, we both, nobody ever talked to us about college. We came from poor families. I remember the story, and and her mama didn't mean no harm. I remember my wife went, drove by St. Leo when she was about seven years old. And her mama said, she said, what's that, mommy? And she said, oh, darling, only rich people go there. Okay. A couple years ago, my wife got her master's from St. Leo University. And, and, and guess, guess who was sitting there just as proud as you can be? Mama. You know why? Because you're the head and not the tail when it comes to God. You don't have to stay where you need to stay. You just can't get locked down here. you got to rise up. Don't you tell your kids they can't be what God said they can be. And it don't matter. It don't matter how it's going to happen. Her mama didn't have that, that, that ability to see what God could do. But then she did. And you know she's proud. My, my daughter graduated from that place right there. It ain't the place where rich people go anymore. It's the place place where blessed people get degrees. I better have some more time here. (laughs) See, because the truth of the matter is, the root of all poverty, it's brokenness. That's really what it is. We're all broke. Can I just let you know, truthfully, all of us are broken somehow, some way. And if we just be honest, we'd be better as a church if we just show our brokenness. I'm broke, you're broke. But Jesus died so that we don't have to be broken anymore. And here's the best news, he uses cracked pots. Amen? He uses cracked pots. I leak a little. I leak a little. That's why I need Bible study. That's why I need study. Because I leak a little. But when I leak, it gets all over people. Gets all over people. That's why I love teaching children. For 13 years, I taught children. And as we taught children, I always made sure they knew you can be anything God wants you to be. Don't you let anybody tell you you can't. And I always told them how important and how special they were and how smart they were and how they have the ability. The truth of the matter is, is we have to learn how to live in community because Adam and Eve's relationship with God was broken. Our relationship with God was broken until Jesus comes in and Jesus finds broken people and looks at them as treasure. The root of all brokenness is founded. Is found, uh, the root of all poverty is, broken in found, uh, is, is, is in brokenness. And here's the Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking the words of Isaiah that have now come to life. I said they now came to life. They are now alive as in now 2019. Alive. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to, pray, to proclaim the good news to the rich. To the what? To the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to those that are already free. No, to the the prisoners, to recovery of sight to those who already see. No, to the recovery of the sight of those who are blind and to those who are oppressed, free. To proclaim the favorable, the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, he said that was his mission, his purpose, because he knew we're broken. And he wanted us to know he started listing all of our brokenness so you and I would say, that's me. 
Instead, so many times we come in and we don't hear that message. We hear the message of, of we got it all together. Jesus speaks. Christ saves. Christ heals. Christ delivers. The root of all poverty is brokenness. And Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. God has called us to that. To the broken. That's why we all get along so well. We don't hide our scars. We say, oh, I got this one here. I paid the dumb tax on this one. But Jesus, he got me covered. Right? We don't hide where we've been. I told you my father begged on a street corner for beer money. I ain't ashamed of that. I'm just telling you where I'm from. I'm telling you where God brought me from. I told you about my wife whose mama said only rich people go there. But then she sat there and had a chance to see God raised us up out of that. So many issues are right there for you and I. And we're going to start in St. Pete. We're already doing it around the world. By the way, I just, it was so blessed, man. I saw the second baptism of the church that we helped plant in, in Italy. I got to see the second, the, the, the second baptism right there. The only evangelical church in Salerno, Italy. And they were baptizing. And the people were celebrating and joyous. Just got a report from Glenn of what's happening in double portion ministries in Asia. There are over 200 children being cared for. God is doing amazing work. There are medical camps happening. There are children in Belize that are being educated and they're growing and learning. And they come from the poorest villages that they said that school, that only rich people go there. Uh-uh, blessed people go there. And then we get to St. Pete and we got our pregnancy center, right? And we got our St. Vincent de Paul and we got our other ministries. But church, we got to get out into the streets and preach the good news. We're called, listen to me, we're called to serve others, not save others. Only Jesus saves. Don't you get a savior complex. Only Jesus saves. You know what's insulting and dangerous? If you think you're the, someone's answer. You think you're the answer? Jesus is the answer. You're not the answer. I'm not the answer. The message we bring about our Savior is the answer. What does Jesus want us to do? We step up. When there's a hurricane, we step up. You remember we got together with some others. We got the hot dog. We got the truck. Went down there right to the middle of town. Started giving out free food. We're so blessed that people came by with extra food. Did they not, Paul? Poured out grits and eggs and bacon. And so we, we went out there with hot dogs and hamburgers. I had to make two runs. Came back. We had grits, eggs, hamburgers, pancakes. Because people just wanted to be a difference. We meet those immediate needs. One lady came up to me with a smile on her face and said, my kids wouldn't have eat if it wasn't for y'all. They haven't had a hot meal in three days. We said, well, eat up. Amen. Restoration, long-term relationships. We rebuild wholeness. We've been in North Carolina. Uh, I mean, uh, New Orleans rebuilding houses for people. You remember we got to meet those two precious single moms as we worked on their houses. We restored God-designed wholeness. We've been the Good Samaritan. The second thing I want us to understand is we need to relate with people, not just rescue people. We need to relate 
with people, not just rescue people. People want to know that you know where you're from. They need to know it. I was trying to help one brother in Houston one time. And I was sitting there and I had my little tie in my shirt because that was mandatory as a staff member there. Long sleeve shirt. It's hot, just in case you didn't know. Long sleeve shirt, tie. I'm sitting there. And the man, he judges me. He says, well, you wouldn't know nothing about that. You probably had everything given to you your whole life. I said, well, you just lost me, brother. I said, I grew up on the poor side of town. And everything I have is because of Jesus, you know. I said, so you come in here asking me for help and you're going to judge me as if I don't know what it's like to be hungry? You ain't helping yourself. You ain't helping yourself. Then I told him the church wasn't going to help him. He pulls a knife out of his, out of his shoe and he puts it on the table and says, well, you're going to help me. And I said, you definitely got me all wrong. You do not know where I'm from. I told him, and this, the Lord knows what's true and what's not. I said, I'm going to give you one shot to pick that knife up, put it in your, in, back in your sock, and start walking. And if you turn around, I'm going to bust you in your face. He got his thing. He's... I walked by. I said to, to, the, uh, to Shirley, who was the secretary, I said, if you ever see his face again, I said, mark his face. If you ever see his face again, don't let him through the door because he done lost his mind. I said, and what I just told you a minute ago, don't look back. You need to hit the door. You do not know where I'm from. Pulling a knife. You've got to lose your mind, son. He related to me at that point. And let me just tell you, the Lord rescued him. That brother was going to end up in a chokehold, you know. I tell him he's out in the spirit. I was about ready to lay hands on him swiftly. But you got to get to know people, man. You got to get to know where they're at, what their pain, where they're at. You got to be willing to hear people's stories. You got to be able to hear what they need. We got to be able to, to, to let them have dignity and understand that you've been, that you struggle. And if you don't, then you know others who've been in that boat and you help them. And last but not least, we have to reach out, not down to people. When people need help, we don't need to make them feel less. We need to let them know I'm blessed. It can be something simple. It doesn't even matter what it is. I'm up there in North Carolina and we're in the Lowe's and this lady's right in front of me and she couldn't afford a bag of Funyuns. Yeah, I said Funyuns. She's up there and she's trying to count her money out and I just said to the lady at the counter, I said, just throw that on mine. And the lady looked and she had her dollar and her other change and she was getting ready to walk out. I said, no, just Throw that on mine. And the, the lady at the counter was like, oh, that's so nice. And then the lady was leaving without the money. I said, no, you need to take your money too. And, and gave her her money and she said, God bless. I said, he does. And the lady at the, behind the register was just like, she was blessed. It can be just simple as buying somebody a bag of Funyuns, y'all. It's simple. God blessed me to be a blessing. My wife and I talked about it later. I said, we're blessed. We're on vacation. We're on holiday. When's the last time she had a holiday? But she got some Funyuns now. Sometimes, it's, and that might be her only meal. Who knows what it is? But I don't care what it is. The Holy Spirit said, buy her Funyuns. She gets Funyuns. 
It's just the way it is. We need to understand that, that we're poor and we're broken too. And maybe some of us can't identify with material poorness, but you can identify with spiritual poorness. And when we go to this revival, you're going to meet people who are both. And you're going to also meet rich people there that God has brought that need, that they're spiritually poor, that need help. We've got to be the people that are going to be the difference makers. People think for some reason we're divided into a world of those who need help and those who offer help. But the truth of the matter is we're both. I need help. I don't know. I just told you I need help. But I'm also going to offer help and you need help. And we're going to do it together. That's how you love your neighbor. We swoop in together in the name of Jesus to the glory of God. There are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. When we start seeing everybody as a brother or sister in Christ, the world will change. Our neighbors are right here, right next door. Not just across the sea. They are across the sea too. And we can't forget them all. We need to take care of all of them. So at this citywide revival, you know why we're doing this? We picked, we picked the high crime areas of our city. Not, not by, not by, don't be all labeling me and writing a newspaper article about me to talk about where's bad and where's good. I don't care, I'm showing up anyway. So I don't really care if you get all mad at me for it or not. I'm just telling you where the high crime is. Where prostitution and other things run rampant. And they said, we need somebody to go there and be light. So Brother Murphy and myself and Brother Hazley and other brothers got together and said, let's do this thing. They've been doing it for years. We just got in on the game last year and we're in the game this year. We're going to go to the places where people need Jesus the most, where they need him the most. We're going to proclaim goodness that Jesus saves. And if you don't believe people need Jesus in this city, you're not talking to people. Because when in my men's Bible study, one of my brothers sat there and shared with me, he's in, a, he's in a park watching two little boys play. And as the little boys are playing, he just comes from church and he says, hey, do you guys know who Jesus is? And they said, who's Jesus? They ain't ever heard of Jesus. We act like everybody in the city's heard about Jesus, but not everybody's heard the good news. At CareFest we go and we do these things. People say, why are you doing this? Why are you mowing my lawn? Why are you doing this? Why are you packing these clothes? Why are you over here doing this? Why are you doing that? Because Jesus sent us. Because Jesus saves and he sent us. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Serve timber, it ain't easy. It's not easy. It's not popular. It's not popular. And the truth of the matter is, it takes a ton of effort and a ton of money for us to go. But we're going. We're going. Because Romans 10, 14 asks the question, how will they know unless they're told? And how will they be told unless someone preached to them? We are the gospel. My job as pastor is to equip God's people for acts of service. We've got to get out the spiritually poor, the spiritually bankrupt need Jesus. And here's the coolest thing. I was spiritually poor and physically poor, and Jesus saved me and changed my life. When Jesus found me, I didn't have a job. I was just living, drugging, drinking, 
doing everything, but it's amazing what happens when the Savior turns you around. For you know it, I got a job. My mom couldn't even believe it. You working? I'm working at the, I'm working at the, uh, 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 one of those stores stacking groceries. I think it was McCroy's or something like that. Stacking, stacking th- stuff on the shelf, smiling. Used to, used to do other things for a lot more money, but it wasn't, ele- it wasn't legal. I'm up there just singing to Jesus, just working shelves, smiling at everybody because he saved me. Because I'm finally earning an honest living. Mindset changed. I don't have to stay here couple years after that God calls me to college first thing I say is I'm stupid I'm stupid God I can't do this I start telling my story to another brother I say man you don't understand I used to do this and I used to do that and I used to do this and I used to do that he told me about a man named Paul in the Bible and then he told me about his testimony and said you can ride with me to Bible college and God provided And I graduated, guess what, with honors in Jesus' name. Wouldn't accept nothing less. My wife thought I was crazy. I'm up there crying if I got a B. Jesus deserves it better than this girl. I done failed my Lord. She's like, get off the couch, boy, you got a B. Jesus, he didn't hang on no cross for no B. I wish I was joking, but she knows I wasn't either. I just thought Jesus deserved everything, man, because my mindset was changed. You see, that's what happens when God comes in. He does something, and he changes our heart. I don't know how we're going to get this done. I just know we're going to get it done. I don't know all the details of all of it, but I do know that you can be a part of it. And here's what I know. There are people in this city right now that are going to help advance the vision. They just ain't saved yet. They're spiritually broke. They just, hadn't been, they just haven't got into God's bank account yet. And some of you may be here this morning and God wants to use you. Because you know what? When I first went to Calvary, I, they needed somebody to mow the yard. I mow the yard in Jesus' name, singing happy songs to Jesus, mowing the yard. Then I was shaking everybody's hand because they needed somebody to shake somebody's hand. That's me. Happy with everybody, smiling, smiling because you're saved, smiling because you got a future. If you never had a future, then all of a sudden you get a future, you want to make the most of it. I was happy because just happy to be alive, happy to have Jesus in our life. And he can give you that same thing. And it just started with mowing the church lawn or shaking hands. And then there were five little boys that needed somebody to teach them. And a guy who said, you could be it. And I said, oh, no, no. And he said, yes, yes, yes. So I went to my mentor and said, he wants me to do this. And I don't even know the Bible. And he said, well, how do you think you're going to know the Bible? And he mentored me. And that began my ministry. Years and years afterwards. Most of what I know about the Bible isn't because of Bible college. It's because I taught children for 13 years about Jesus. And they'll ask you questions you better know. So don't disqualify yourself. But here's the one thing I know you can't do. You can't make a difference if you're already in the red. The only way to do that is to get under the blood. You see, I would never be what God has called me to be if it wasn't admitting to God I'm poor. I'm broken. And I need you. 
And then he took this broken, poor, spiritually broken, poor boy, and then he rebuilt. Did it happen overnight? No. We lived and we served and we lived and we served and we loved and we lived and we served. And to this day, we're still on the same boat. Still, we still, Lorena and I still can't believe sometimes we get to live the life we live. Blessed by God. Now, do we have everything that we want? Of course not. We have everything that we need. We have more than what we need. More than what we need. And the trustees will tell you, I always wrestle with them and fight with them because I'm always telling them about how blessed I am. They're always like, Pastor, do this, do that. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm so, I still, God has been too good to me. Been too good to me. Today's your opportunity to come in the right relationship with Jesus. And who knows, 27, 28 years from now, you'll be telling a story like my story. Or better yet, you'll be telling a story better than my story. But more importantly, you'll be telling your story for God's glory, no matter how gory. Amen? Amen. I've preached long, but let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. But right now, God, I don't care how long I preached. Right now, there's people who need you, who are spiritually broke. And I don't care if the clock breaks. But there are people who need Jesus. They need Him right now. It's been burning in their hearts since we started this service. They're ready to come in a right relationship with you. And the first fruit of belief is repentance. And they're ready to agree with you, God, that they need you. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike? I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to rescue me. If that's you, just slip your hand up high in the air. Don't let anything hold you back. Yes, I need Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. You may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, God, you saw all of our hands up. You saw those hands, and right there is a sign of surrender. And God, we give you our everything. We give you everything we are. We give you everything we're not. We trust you. We receive forgiveness. We receive wholeness. We receive grace. And God, we know you're going to give us just enough to walk day by day, moment by moment. And most importantly, God, we know we're not going to be perfect, but we're being perfected. And so we put our hope in you, our trust in you, our faith in you and our belief in you and right now we are everything that you say we are it's in jesus name that we proclaim this and the church said amen, amen. now give god some good praise this morning some good praise hallelujah <laughs> Woo! he's a good god he's a good god he's a good god if you said that prayer, welcome to God's family. If you need a Bible, you can go to uh, Guest Central. I know that um, Miss Mary will be in Guest Central today. If you are a first-time guest with us, she'd love to connect with you as well. I want to bless you this morning. I want to pray for you. 